morning, everybody. This is Patrick Donahoe. This is a new podcast for the Investor's Paradigm Radio Network. Today is April 24th. It's been a couple weeks, but we're excited to be back on. Marva, you've had quite the adventure over the last couple of weeks with uh, with your voyage to Mexico and also uh, a little bit of a virus that who knows where it came from. But uh, you're back and you're... Uh, you're on top of things. I'm back, and I'm at least ninety percent. Hope, hopefully, better too, right? When those cells get replaced, they're better cells, right? That's a good idea. Awesome. <laughs> Whether that's true or not, doesn't matter. Well, we got some uh, we got some exciting things we're going to talk about today. Uh, next week, we're actually going to have kind of the the pinnacle of what our business model is, and we're going to be discussing uh, exactly what the infinite banking concept is, and kind of what the end to everything that we're talking about on these podcasts. For those of you who are new, uh, please go back and download our past podcasts. Uh, the link that you've used to download this one, uh, we also have all of our past podcasts on that one. Um, so, upcoming podcasts again, we're going to be doing infinite banking next week. Uh, we're also uh, coming out with a new introductory video. It's going to be in Windows Media video format. And so if you'd like a copy of that, you can get, uh, get a hold of us either by email or by phone. Our email address is info at theinvestorsparadigm.com. Or you can give us a buzz at 800-870-8905. Also, to get involved, if you'd like to do a, a complimentary free introductory appointment to discuss your situation, love to speak, you, uh, speak with you. You can also contact us at the same information, info at theinvestorsparadigm.com or 800 870 8905. So uh so Marv, what's on your mind? How is uh, how how is uh the economy doing in your in your perspective or your point of view? You know, it seems to be calming down just a little bit, gratefully. There's still a lot of uh threat out there, but I think that uh, generally speaking we've weathered the storm quite well. well. I think some, you know, if you if the winter time to me at least is uh, you know is is relatively I wouldn't say depressing, but you know it's it, you know in the winter time you're inside and you know, you have a lot of time to think. In the summertime, it's great to have your outside, and you know, a lot of stuff is going on. And so, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, people are putting some of their financial worries behind them and getting on with life, kind of dealing with what's going on and starting to enjoy the beautiful weather. Think that? Do you think that plays a role? <laughs> well, I, I certainly think that consumer con- confidence plays a role, and yeah. the time of year may have something to do with that. But as much as anything, I think what we've got is uh, a sense that there is a response in the public. Uh, in governments worldwide mm-hmm. to the crisis that we've faced. And it's been a fairly, you know, it, maybe it's a little bit late, but it, it feels as though it's starting to take hold. Yeah. Well, it's, it was such a drastic turn, and it kind of caught a lot of people off guard. It's kind of the, sh- the shock the shock factor. And now we're, you know, we're dealing with it. We're looking at, you know, seeing the writing on the wall and, and, you know, dealing with whatever the problems are, both on the individual level and on the collective level. Sure, and I think we'll see change uh, for at least the next year or two to come uh, to respond to this so that it doesn't happen in this way again. Yeah, I, I certainly hope not. It's been uh, it's been difficult for a lot of individuals. But, you know, as, as I was thinking over the last couple of weeks since we haven't done a podcast, you know, I was thinking of what, um, you know, what we could talk about today that would be relatively profound and kind of exciting, right? And so I came up with kind of three things, right? And I think that, you know, in, in life in general, right, we're all on planet Earth. We're all trying to accomplish certain things. But I think we have a couple things in common. And uh, those, those things are, in my, in my point of view, that everybody in life is motivated by three things, okay, or the ideal of these three things, which is health, wealth, and love. Now, if you'd have asked me, I'd have said... Asked you what? What the three things, okay. the three most important things in life are, I'd have said Mexican food, <laughs> fly fishing, and love. 
Okay. Not necessarily in that order. Well, I think they would fall under certain categories. Maybe mental health underneath the fly fishing so you clear your head. Mexican food, I don't know. It depends on your perspective as far as where that lies. I've always maintained that all problems in the world are either caused by or can be cured by too much or too little of one of those three things. Jeez. Great philosophy. I think there's a book coming out on that too. Probably. Right? New York Times bestseller. All right, so I, as I was thinking about that, and you can you know you can understand kind of where I'm going with this. You know, I, I think that every individual has a certain perspective of what the ideal state of health is, the ideal state of wealth is, and the ideal you know state of love is, right? And I think that these ends are are great ends. I think that in some you know in in some me, by some means we've we've experienced these these three things before in our life, and we seek after. You know how we feel in those moments, sure. right? But rare, rarely do individuals really understand the means by which you accomplish good health, or the means by which you accomplish a well, uh, wealthy lifestyle, or means by which you accomplish love. We want the end, you know. We want the end, but getting to those means, or you know, going through the means, going through the processes to get to this end, you know, th- there's a lot of different opinions. Okay, so today we're going to talk about wealth. Right, so wealth, you know, financial. Not, I guess you can say that there's other types of wealth, but financial wealth. Everybody wants stability, even if they don't want to live in, you know, a huge mansion or drive, you know, hundred thousand dollar cars. It's at least having sufficient for our needs, being able to support our family, being able to provide sustenance, etc. And we're all seeking, seeking after these things. And I think that the reason why people invest, okay, reason why people save, is because they're trying to accomplish that end. Right, but the means. There's a lot of controversy when it comes to the means to get to wealth, right? And I think that if you look at you know the the lottery effect, or you look at going to casinos, people want people want wealth. People want to you know hit hit black and bang, they're they're wealthy. Or they want to you know drive up to Idaho because obviously there's no lottery in Utah. Drive up to Idaho, buy the ticket, and they're immediately wealthy. So where where do you think you know people are trying to circumvent the true means by which they accomplish wealth? Well, there's a lot of discussion about the relationship between wealth and education. Now, I'm going to distinguish between education and knowledge because some of the wealthiest people I know are not highly educated from a formal point of view. They're very, very knowledgeable, mm-hmm. but may or may not be highly educated. In fact, some of the smartest people that I know have not completed college. Wow. And, uh, and yet, very, very wealthy. Uh, on the other hand... The difference between wealth and education is uh, is a difficult one to, to bridge. You know, how do you get knowledge if you don't go to education, get formal education? And, and that's the problem that a lot of people, uh, I think why they try and, and get these shortcuts is they don't know how to get the knowledge that they need to succeed. Or might not have the patience. <laughs> or might not know what they don't know. Yeah. You know, there's an interesting sort of a model for this. The more you know, the more you learn that you don't know. So if you think of your knowledge as being inside a circle, if you drew a circle on a chalkboard and what you know is inside the circle, as you know more, the circle expands. And so everything outside of that circle is what you don't know. But your awareness of it is the line or the the diameter the circumference of the circle. So you have more awareness of what you don't know. And I think what that says is regardless of your formal education, you know, whether you went to high school or college or a postgraduate, your knowledge about life and about finances is is directly related to your financial well-being. I don't know very many people who make it by just 
uh, Rowan Black. Well, I, yeah, and, and but again, there's a certain population that does believe that, that they, I, I think they understand, okay, if I open up a business, I invest in a real estate, if I did this and this and this, I could probably accomplish the same means, but that's a heck of a lot of work. I'm going to just try to <laughs> beat the odds. I'm going to try to beat the odds, play the lottery, and hopefully I, I win big, and, and obviously there's, there's seldom a time where that actually happens, right? But I think you brought up a couple important points. One of the points is I, I think results uh, or resorts to kind of an, an ego, a sense of ego. I don't think there's any human being on the face of the earth that will ever know everything. Well, we always I have always tried to convince my wife that I know everything, but she's gradually beginning to doubt that. <laughs> well, anyway, so it's, you know, basically, you know, again, with all knowledge, I think the bottom line is, you know, we, we have to be humble enough to say we don't we don't know everything, right? right? And I think if you got down to, you know, this, you know, you got down to the skinny and you got people to be honest, everybody would admit that, regardless if they were, you know, CEOs or executives of certain companies or you know the the pauper, right? So bottom line is, there's always something more that we can learn, and I think a lot of times when mistakes are made and problems exist, whether it's in relationships or within finances, it's it's kind of letting us know, hey, we need to change something up. And right now, there's a lot of different problems, you know, with our economy, right? And the problems didn't come about by happenstance. The problems were because of certain causes, right? And nowadays, you know, people are trying to fix all of these causes. And I think it, you know, from a collective standpoint, like with governments and so forth, they're trying to do certain things with the, you know, the, the automakers. They're doing things with certain banks and other corporations. They're humongous in, in nature, and their fall would, you know, would uh, would make the country and, and the world economy at that implode. Sure. Right. And so, but right now, people are trying to solve solve problems. And again, we've talked about before how you know the the reason for problems is so that there's solutions, right? But I think that in an individual's personal economy, there's a ton of flaws, a ton of flaws, right? And the way in which a person got to a point where they're managing their finances, whether it's how they spend money, how they save money, how they invest money, and so forth. Right, I think that there is a certain influence that that the media has given them, that their parents has get, have given them, that their society has given them, and it shows them how to manage their finances in those three respects, both in their spending habits, their debt habits, and their savings habits. Right, and looking at kind of the problems that exist in personal economies right now in a person's individual finances, right, I think you can back them all all the problems down to these three things: the way in which they save, the way in which they spend, and the way in which they manage their debt. Okay. And so today, you know, uh, individuals don't really know what to do to kind of fix these fix these problems just because a lot of people are in the exact same boat because the paradigm or the theory behind how individuals manage their debt, their savings and their spending is all the same. Right. It's uh it's interesting as you've been talking, I've been referring back to uh the Rich Dad Poor Dad book series. You know, very few of us grew up with a uh, a rich dad who was taking us aside and pointing out what we should be doing differently. Most of us are learning from people who are making the same mistakes that we are. Yep. And the people who are succeeding are usually doing something completely different. Yeah. And so and that populate yeah, and that population is is on the, you know, as far as the spectrum of, of size, it is a, a tiny fraction, right, of the individuals that are of the collective. And so the question that must be on people's minds is, how do I find that information out if I don't have a rich dad who's been looking over my shoulder my whole life and guiding me along the way? 
that's an important question to, to answer. Well, I think that, and I've, I've made these points before, but I, I think that you know individuals that have become wealthy, like Warren Buffett or like Robert Kiyosaki or like Donald Trump, they write books. And it's I don't think that the purpose behind them writing books, because book writing, it's profitable, I guess, to an extent, right? People make a lot of money writing books, right? But you know, they probably could be doing some other things with their time to make even more money. But they feel a sense of obligation. And may correct me if I'm wrong, but they feel a sense of obligation to get what they know out because they see, hey, I've discovered this theory, this methodology. I want other people to learn about it. So you're saying that the information is available absolutely to the people who are willing to go look for it. Absolutely. You know, there's an old saying that is something like this. When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And I think a lot of the time what we find is people who end up talking to us uh, or meeting with us have, for whatever reason, reached a point in their financial life where all of a sudden they're ready to learn. Yeah. And they all of a sudden come and they learn and we, we give them uh, what we know and they say, oh my goodness, why didn't I know this before? If I'd have only known this last year or five years or ago ten or years ten ago. years ago, what a difference this would have made yeah. in my life. So really what we're saying is assess yourself and determine whether or not you are yet a student. Mm -hmm. And when you are, the right information will start to appear. Yeah. Well, here's and, and this is the thing I've been facing over the last couple of weeks. A lot of, a lot of our clients become extremely excited once they see the possibilities behind this, this strategy. And it's a, it's a bulletproof strategy. Right? It's an almost impossible to lose. <laughs> and it's so simple in nature that they think that just other people in their circle of influence are just going to get it. But then they go out and they try to explain it to their brother. They try to explain it to their father. They try to explain it to their neighbor or their business associate. And guess what the reaction is more often than not? Negative. It's, <laughs> why would you do that? This, 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 this. And, and, it all, and, and basically their qualms right, are, all resort back to the collective as far as what they do with their spending habits, their saving habits, and their debt habits. The That's exact right. same thing. And the end is going to be the exact same end as what's occurring right now. Yep. People are in too much debt. They've lost almost all their savings in very speculative and speculative investments, right? And their budget is all out of whack. And the rest of the herd is trying to keep them in the same path. Yep. And that that's the been in. and that's the difficulty. It's like, you know, if you look if you look at our our country, Right, the the majority of savings in our country, as far as investing slash saving slash retirement, is through equities and securities. Right, all the corporate major corporations in our country, right, they raise a majority of their money through you know going public and offering their shares or offering their stock. And if individuals suddenly, okay, individuals suddenly stopped stopped investing or stopped putting money into these shares, what would ultimately happen to corporations? Would they stay afloat? You know, who who knows. Right? But there is a huge, there's a huge population, whether it's in Washington, D.C., or whether it's on Wall Street, that wants to keep the traditional way of investing alive. Well, sure, there are people who are making money doing that, usually the people selling it. But from our standpoint, the reason we bring this up is not that we know everything, because certainly we don't. No. But we know a few things that really work. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and for the average person, uh, this is a great place to start. It doesn't require that you have an advanced degree in finance. It does require that you care. It requires that you're willing to open your mind to consider another possibility. And once you do, it's surprising how many things come your way as you start to become aware of alternative 
uh, financial management strategies. Yeah. And I hate to, you know, sometimes it's like alternatives. I hate to call it alternative because alternative makes it sound more risky than it really is. Right. Right. And when you really look at the the consensus of our clientele, it's 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 a much less riskier, however, much more lucrative proposition than anything. Even the average 10, 15, 20% returns, stockbrokers or mutual fund managers or financial planners start to, you know, start to state, which is, hey, look at what will happen over a 30-year period of time with compound interest and these types of interest rates. But again, it all resorts to speculation, right? Hopefully, the, those of you who are listening to this podcast may have had something triggered in your mind saying, gee, you know, maybe it's time for me to learn a little bit more. And uh, maybe what they've got to offer will trigger something else or lead me to something else. And uh, <clears throat> this could be the time for you to, to take a moment or two, make a phone call, uh, send us an email, and just take a few moments to just chat with us and let us uh, explain to you some alternative strategies to what you might currently be doing uh, that could be an, an advantage to you or a benefit to you in your uh, financial planning. Because, again, it's like every, we all have some end in mind that we know is ideal whether it's our retirement, whether it's a certain amount of money, whether it's a certain financial status, etc. We all have that end in mind. But the means by which you get there, again, there's a lot of conflicting advice. Okay, And ours, ours, our advice will conflict with other financial planners or other theories. In fact, it conflicts with the majority. It, coll- it conflicts with the collective. However, right, if you look at the logic behind it, it makes perfect sense. Yep. It's hard to evaluate what you're doing if you only have one point of view. Yeah. You need an alternate point of view to be able to make a decent decision. So give us a chance to give you an additional point of view for how to approach this problem. Great. So for uh, again, for this video, our introductory video, which uh, will be ready on Monday, you can give us a call at 800-870-8905. You can also email us at info at theinvestorsparadigm.com. We also have an article. It's a relatively large and long article. It's about 20 pages long, but it's called The Next Five Years. And it talks about a lot of statistics in relation to what's going to go on in our country uh, according to a lot of different magazines. And if you look at Kiplinger's, if you look at just the Social Security Administration, if you look at you know the, the uh, AARP, which is the American Association of Retired Persons, People, Personages, Right, it, it, there's there's statistics out there that are relatively frightening, right? And if something is not done right now, then you know the the disaster could be even worse in the years to come. So for those of you who would love information or like information or just intrigued to an extent, please give us a call 800-870-8905 or give us an email at info at theinvestorsparadigm.com. Marv, any other striking, profound? words of wisdom no it's been a pleasure being with you today Pat oh it's been a pleasure being with you Marv alright so we're gonna we'll sign off and uh, we'll see you next week next week we're gonna talk about infinite banking it kind of brings brings to wrap all of the podcasts we've done over the last three or four months and uh, kind of shows you and, and hopefully you'll have a, a relatively good context uh, if this is your first time listening uh, go back listen to our previous podcast and I think it'll give you a good foundation to what we're gonna talk about next week uh, so have a great weekend Marv Thank you, Pat. You too. All right. Take care, guys.